So why is 2020 so tough for people? The easiest way to state it, uh, and, and this is not going to sound extremely sensitive because we're going to jump past any unnecessarily uh, unnecessary coddling that needs to happen to get us to the most transformation we can experience. It's this. Here it is. It breaks your view of reality. It breaks your view of reality. That's it. The reason 2020 is tough is because it breaks your view of reality. You have a sight line towards what you think should happen, what you wish would happen, what you would like to happen. A, a quick revealer for my life when I know that uh, I have had a view of reality broken, but I haven't accepted it yet, and we know all change starts with accepting where we are, is when I say this, well, that's not fair when it's something regarding me. That's not fair. It's not fair. When I say those phrases, it's a clue and a signal to me that there's a reality that I'm experiencing but it's not the reality I wish was true. I think it was a neuroscientist that I heard say this. Uh, my poor kids, my 18-year-old and I were having a conversation yesterday, and I, I dropped this truth bomb on her. Uh, I think it was a neuroscientist I heard say this. If you could put yourself in someone else's brain like and experience their mind with your consciousness, you would immediately feel like you were tripping on drugs. Because their consciousness, their experience, the way that they make meaning of what's happening to them, their, their, their worldview, their sense-making abilities are so finely tuned to them. Now, the reason that, that you guys are even here, even in the midst of this tech fail, uh, is because you've been impacted at some level by sight shift. And at the baseline of that impact was you figuring out there's a movie playing in your head that's not playing in everyone else's head. And yes, we have these common themes of identity fear, but right now, you know, you're going to see whatever happens with the election, people's reality is going to shift or they're going to fight against it. And so whenever I find myself saying something isn't fair, I know that my reality, my view of reality is being broken. Now, why will some not recover? Because I want you to know this really clear for a couple of reasons. One, I want you to be able to optimize your growth in the midst of this challenge. Um, two, I want you to be able to take this to the people you lead so that they can, can be um, on the top of their mental game. All suffering reveals mental flabbiness. So we're going to learn where our mindset might break down. And here's why. Why will some not recover? They only know their box. They only know their box. They know the box that they live in. Um, I'm going to give you a quote from 300 BCE. If you read my email that went out earlier this week, you saw it. Uh, I'll just read it to you. It's from St. Anthony the Great. A time is coming when men will go mad. And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad. You are not like us. And the reason I love that quote is because uh, for me, it's a formative idea that the group is usually wrong. So I have to start and think for myself and figure out who I am, what it means for me to live in a secure identity. Then I show up with a clear mission and then I attract and build healthy community. Why? Because it's built on a secure identity. The, the, the world is warring over worldviews. That happens in human history, in modern human history. And I think I might be getting a, a quick text on people not getting the link. Um, and I forgot to record. That's all right. I'll start right now. No, it is already recording. You know when you've had a tech fail and then you find out something's working? Yeah.
I just had this ride. <laughs> because my view of reality, yeah, you get the point. They only know their box. Now, I want you to think about when you can separate who you are from the box that you perceive or live in, this is the, this is the most powerful freedom. Then you can separate the form and function of something. You might live in a box of a specific worldview of a religion, or you might you know, operate in a specific worldview of a box of how work should work. The number of people that think, well, work isn't really work unless I suffer in it some. It should be a little bit miserable. Well, that's your box, right? Um, everybody has their boxes. And the reason that some don't recover is because they can't allow their box to disintegrate, to open up. They can't allow it to uh, expand them. They serve their box rather than the box serving them. When you have this longer form view on life, then you understand we all have these boxes. Boxes help us make sense of things. It helps us make meaning. But what happens when the world really gets disturbed, it's because we become aware of tons of other boxes. Here's what I mean. For most of human history, you believed and thought like your, you know, your tribe taught you to. Your tribe taught you where you fit in. Your tribe taught you how to make meaning in the world. Your tribe had initiation rights for you. So you knew what growth and maturity looked like in your tribe. You knew who you were. Well, then we get into you know, history in the 1800s. And then people started becoming aware of like really big boxes. Oh, there's a, there's a West, the Europe, right? There's an East in China and, and they have this whole religion there that the West didn't even know about. And, and then, oh, there's these native peoples in the Americas. What happened was we became aware of some more boxes. So then you have a lot of philosophy coming out of that time, Nietzsche and others going, hey, there's going to be some world wars. Because people's ability to make sense of all this, it's so complex. Our brains shut down. We look for simple answers. And guys, that's what happened. Some world wars happened. Well, what can we do? Here's the next statement. We can be aware of the third worldview process. So that's the note right under that. So today is deep. It's deep because we got a ton going on in the world. And I want to walk you through this real quick. Be aware of the third worldview process. Here's what the third worldview process is. Some of you may have written, read this before. I've written about it to my email list, uh, to the Site Shift blog, some other places. But here's how the third worldview process looks, looks like, or here's how it works. You have the worldview that you grow up with, okay? For most of human history, your worldview didn't change. Well, then what I'm ref referring, uh, referring to as the world got aware of these bigger, bigger places, then that was like, oh my gosh, there's a different way to think about the world. The reason so much is disrupted right now is because compare people becoming aware of the East and the West and the native peoples in the Americas in the you know, 1400s to 1800s to now, what the internet does. The internet gives you an infinite amount of possibilities to construct an identity, to be a part of a tribe. You can be a part of a tribe that's so hyper-specific of 15 different characteristics and find the other 700 people like that in the world. You know, we've never dealt with this as a society. We've never dealt with this reality where you come out of one box and there's not just two or three other big boxes. You come out of one box and there's an infinite landscape of boxes. 
of ways to think about who you are and to make meaning and to understand yourself. So the third worldview process is just this. Because we have this infinite ability to make meaning, here's the pattern I've noticed. You have the worldview that you're given when you grow up. At some point, not everyone goes to their second worldview where they start thinking for themselves at some level. But usually that worldview is more reactive. Some of you have heard me talk about camel and lion. Usually that worldview is more reactive. In the internet world, you'll find this language called the red pill. Have you taken the red pill? It's based on the matrix, you know, where Neo is offered by Morpheus. Do you want the blue pill, things to stay the same, or are you going to take the red pill? You can have any number of red pill experiences. You could have a red pill experience of your religion and what did or didn't make it up to be what it is based on what you were raised with or your perception. You could have some way that maybe people that you love or respect or think are amazing fall off their pedestal. Uh, you could, you know, I'm seeing you here, Melissa on here. So my mind's going here. I remember when I was in my mid twenties and I learned about like holistic health and it was like taking a red pill. You did not want to talk to me when I learned about that stuff because I was so freaking annoying and I knew too much to be new enough to be dangerous. And I'd go on and on about it. Well, then I told uh, Dr. McCray about a problem I was having. She was like, have you know about this? And I'm like, now I'm fired up about that because it, it red pilled me. It took me to this transition. But the reality is this really after the red pill, for those that keep growing, some internet um, commenters have called it a gray pill. You, you move from the blue pill to the red pill and you go, oh my gosh, gray pill. There's an infinite number of boxes. What worldview helps me grow? What worldview helps me know who I am, how to show up so that I'm unshameable in my identity, unstoppable in my mission and uncancelable in my community? Nothing can stop the advancement of who I am and who I'm becoming because I understand the third worldview process. I know that I'm continually growing and I don't stop. And because I don't stop, I get to keep getting into and enjoying whatever the next box is without making that all of my existence. If you're not aware of the third worldview process, it's very hard for you to have a long-term developmental view for the team that you lead, for those of you that are parents, because they're going to go through these shifts. And when they go through these shifts and get excited about something, you can recognize where they're at and partner with them to not be so committed to that box that they make it everything, but they actually start to find a way of taking out the good without always you know, swallowing the whole thing. When business leadership took off in like the 80s and the 90s and in 2000, you would find a ton of leaders who without this awareness would come in to lead their teams or their companies with whatever was the next hot leadership, fad, idea, book, or management practice. As a result, they ended up leading their organizations like you were driving down the road and jerking the wheel constantly. And there was no you know, straight path to the vision where they just were obliterating next obstacles using new ideas. It was the constant commitment to whatever the new idea was. And because of this, you find a reticent to, to change and to new ideas. In, and I see this in, in a lot of our work with uh, corporate world. Unless somebody's open and hungry, oftentimes in their 50s and 60s, it's like, ah, it's just a new idea. Ah. And they can fall into a stereotype because they've been jerked around so much. So what do we do? We're aware of the box. Well, we got to understand there's three things. Number one, there is still truth. 
Because if you're listening to what I'm saying, and I could talk about this for like an hour, and I'm doing it super tight and brief for our, our point today. If, if you listen to what I'm saying, you could start to go, okay, well, if there's a million boxes, what are the real boxes? What, what's real? What's not real? Well, there is still truth. What is that truth? We'll get to it in a minute. Secondly, there is still progress. In a world of disruptive change, when so much is going on, when it's hard to figure out how to make sense of it all, there is, there is still truth and there is still progress. Well, that gives me hope, right? I, you know, maybe nation states and empires and world movements move forward like humans. Two steps forward, three steps forward, two steps back. Four steps forward, one step back. Five steps forward, three steps back. It seems like it's that way. But you can look at the arc of human history and see that, yes, we go through disruptions, but there is still progress. And what that does is that gives me hope. It gives me hope for me as a person. It gives me hope for my family. It gives me hope for the Shift team. It gives me hope for your teams and your companies that you lead. Third, there are still people that matter. There are still people that matter. You and I do not have the cognitive capacity to handle the conscious experience and suffering of the human world. This is why so many teenagers are mentally and emotionally breaking because they're, they're consuming the experience of the world. It's like this giant, never-before-experienced fire hose of human experience and emotion coming into them. It's too much. So what you can take with what I'm saying today is head down, heart open, moving forward. You don't have to take it all in. So how can you put your head down, keep your heart open, and move forward? Well, because there's still truth, number one, courage to own what is real. That's what I mean when I say there is still truth. That's the first action, courage to own what is real. Um, at the core base of your experience, of what it means for you to be a human, there are mistakes, there are truths, there are pains, there are comforts. I don't know where you find yourself, but I know for me that when everything is crazy up here and I can't handle the whole world's consciousness, I can have the courage to own my truth. And, and we use a paradigm all the time. Where am I winning? Where am I losing? Where am I stuck? Where am I inspired? I use that over and over. Courage to own my truth. Where am I winning? What am I excited about? If I had two hours with you, I'd love to tell you everything I've got going on and I'm working on that's going to help you grow as much as you want in 2021. It's going to be awesome. Where am I losing? I've got some places that I've got to figure some stuff out. And if I don't, it's so discouraging. I can listen to the Adele song called Remedy and play it and just close my eyes and be like, yeah, when your heart's made you a fool. Oh, the pain that keeps you from sleeping at night, right? I got some of that. We all do. And I own it. Where am I stuck? Where am I trying to figure something out? Where am I inspired? I'm using these to look at my life and say, okay, I have courage to look over, to look at the data, to turn over the stones. I'm not going to defend myself and say something isn't fair. I'm not going to seek validation. I'm going to own what's real. Number two, resilience to take a step anyway. Resilience to take a step anyway. If I fully own what is real, progress isn't guaranteed the way that I want it. 
But if I keep taking steps forward, I and if I and going back on owning what's real, I'll be adaptive. I'll figure things out. I mean, I have all kinds of things that have worked in amazing, beautiful ways and all kinds of things that haven't. If you looked at how I look at the actual flow of my week or month or year, I have way more failed experiments because if I'm at the edge of my abilities and I'm growing, I'm testing things. I'm seeing what's working and I'm trying to take these steps. That's the courageous thing that, or that's what courage produces, the resilience to take that step anyway, even though it may not work out. And here's a big one for today's world. Even if I might be misunderstood, they might misunderstand me. It was a surreal moment last week with my 16-year-old as she was fearing being misjudged by friends and, and having the conversation with her in a non-forced way, trying to be at my best, throwing things out with questions and the whole deal. But for her to come to a realization, oh my gosh, what happens after you take a courageous step? You're going to be misunderstood because that's the definition of leadership. Leadership is to go somewhere and to take somewhere, take people somewhere that they haven't been before. Any of you right now watching this later in the recording or here today, if you wait until you're fully understood by everyone, there is no courage there. That's the easy stuff. That's actually where the conformity comes in. At that point, it's group thinking all the way down the line. So resilience, third action, third action. Empathy to help, empathy to help. We, we own what's true about our lives, where we're winning, losing, stuck, inspired. We have courage to take a step anyway, but it's not just courage to be resilient and do just what's best for us. We're building a community. We're helping the team that we lead. We're serving them with empathy. We stand with them, not just individualists, yes, as secure individuals who make up this collective whole. We serve to give, not just take. We understand because we're not just coming from the insecurity of our identity or our egos. We remind ourselves that there's a movie playing in their head and it's not the movie playing in our head. So how can we understand them and help them? Now for me today, I, you know, I know and you know that there are going to be people around you that are going to lose their way. However tonight goes, their view of reality is going to get broken a little bit. And they're going to be winners and losers. I will not be a winner or a loser. Because while I had a vote and while I voted, I'm not attached to that outcome because I recognize it as the box that it is. And when I wake up tomorrow, I'm focused on living the courage of my truth the resiliency of my mission and empathy in the community that I serve because I can't handle the consciousness of the whole world and I can't fix everyone and I can't convince people and people aren't rational anyway, but I can be connected to those that I'm serving. So wherever we find ourselves, let's keep advancing with courage, resilience,